So I'm JB. If you're a visitor here, I usually get to do that. But because I get to do what Ryan usually gets to do, Johnny came and shared his gift with us. He's so, such a blessing. I've been playing with Johnny for, oh, 15 years, maybe more. So uh, real blessing to have uh, someone different leading worship this morning. We are in the middle of the mixtape series. We have one, is it one week left, Ryan? One week left. What have we learned so far? This is the fifth week. Week one, what's the first thing we learned in the mixtape series? We learned about Ian? No, darling. You remember? Pastor Brandon talked to us about prayer, how important it was to be people of prayer. He talked about the devouring enemy. Do you guys remember that, that image of the, the lion just going to town on a gazelle or I don't even know what it was? And then week two, Pastor Ryan shared with us the importance of reading our Bibles no matter how long, maybe you're, you're one of those people that spends an hour in the scriptures in the morning. Maybe it's just the Oswald Chambers for that day, but you're spending time in the Bible. The Bible's alive. It can change us. And then week three, do you guys remember the message that Pastor Patricia brought? It was heavy, right? Havel. A, a strong word about life being short and seizing the time, making the best use of, of every breath that God's given us. And then week four, who remembers week four? That was last week. Should we rewind the tape? We don't want to sacrifice our future for our present desires. A lot of times we don't have a lot of foresight, do we? We just want to do what we want to do in the here and now, and we don't think about how that could impact tomorrow. Pastor Ryan exhorted us to think about our future Think about what God's plan is for our lives and use each and every step and decision in life for that goal, not even for what's today. So this week, week five, I want to ask this question, and some of you might have seen the, the short video on Facebook. I want to ask the question, what is the gospel? The word gospel is one of those words that's kind of churchy, right? Have you guys ever heard that phrase, Christianese? It's the language that church people talk. Sometimes when you're not a church person, you hear people talk about sanctification and eschatology and all these different words. It can become a little bit overbearing. So this morning, I really sensed in the last month when Pastor Ryan asked me to speak, I wanted to talk about the gospel, break it down, talk about each part of what the gospel is. So to get started, I kind of wanted to hear from other people. I like to, I, I'm a YouTube, anybody else love YouTube? I have a certified degree in so many things in YouTube. <laughs> I love polling people. I love finding and listening to other people. What do you think about this? So I went around town. I had somebody at my studio. And I just asked some people, what do you think the gospel is? Here's what they said. Well, the gospel to me is the good book. It, it's um, the good news of Jesus Christ giving us something um, to read, to understand, to live by, that we don't deserve. Yes, the gospel to me means uh, the truth and also having one-on-one -on -one relationship with that truth. The gospel to me, as I think about it, would be the teachings of the Bible. Um, when you use the gospel, the word of, of the gospel or the word of the Bible is what I think of. Um, for me, the gospel is um, 
the Bible, actually. As a kid, they'd always say, oh, well, we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, so I guess that's kind of why I associate that with each other. Gospel, I think it's just the word of the Lord. Just that's why I think about it. To me, the Gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's just, it gives me light and life. The gospel to me is first for myself, get myself right, and secondly for others, to help them get themselves right so that God and them become friends. Well, to me, it's, it's the good news of Christ's salvation. When I was 16, I came to a point when I was confronted with my sinfulness and my need for a savior. So, to sum it up, it's the good news to me. So we heard a lot of different ideas there what the gospel is. We heard a lot of people say it's the Bible itself. You know, this book that we read from Genesis to Revelation. We heard people say that it's the, the good news. Did you hear people say that? That was a common answer. And there was a lot of other people that I interviewed that we didn't include but I want to ask that question right now. I want you to turn to your neighbor, ask that question to them, and let's just see what, what everybody says. Go ahead. What is the gospel? What is it? Well, if you've been a part of the church for any length of time, you know what gospel means if you were to, to talk about the word itself, right? Gospel means, you guessed it, good news. Now, when I think of good news, how many of you guys remember Publishers Clearinghouse? Does that date me? <laughs> Frank does, right on. Right? So it's the guy that would come to your house and he'd knock on your door, you'd be in your bathrobe, he'd have a bunch of balloons and he'd Surprise, you won a million zillion dollars, right? This was good news. I think about that, a winning lottery ticket or, or, or something, you know, a friend having a baby. or You know, there's all these ideas when we think about good news. So the Bible has a lot to say about the gospel, a lot to say about the good news, but we have to start with, with this question. Check out this picture. You, you, there's two kinds of people in this room, and I'll, we'll find out who's who. When you see this glass, how many of you think that this glass is half there is so many optimistic people both services how many of you think this is half empty <laughs> pastor ryan didn't vote <laughs> so you've got optimists right and pessimists so i tend to go both ways i can say sometimes it's good news sometimes it's bad news well, the gospel starts with bad news, friends. The gospel starts with a half-empty idea. It's a difficult thing. And this is the first thing that I want to share with you guys. The bad news of the gospel. The bad news of the gospel. Can you say that to your friend, your neighbor? The bad news of the gospel. So in the Bible, we've got two groups of people, okay? So if you're sitting over here, we're going to call you the believers, okay? If you're over here, you're the unbelievers, sorry. I don't know all of you. 
But that's really it, guys. There's only two kinds of people in, in the Bible, in existence as we know it. We categorize people in a lot of different ways, but God sees people as unbelievers or believers, saved, unsaved, forgiven or not forgiven. There are no other distinctions, okay? What else about the bad news of the gospel? Check this out in Matthew. Jesus, we're going to read a lot of the words of Jesus, some of Paul, but look at what Jesus says. Enter through the narrow gate. Can you say narrow? Narrow. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. That's kind of bad news. I travel a ton for work. And I was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, and there's all different kinds of roads out there, the 405, the 605. When you get on some of those roads, some of the highways, there are six lanes of traffic going in both directions. I mean, it's all wide, it's a, and most of the time it's just a big parking lot. You know, you're just kind of sitting there listening to your podcast. It's not like Indiana. When I come home to Indiana, I tell people when I'm in, in California, one stoplight, half the population is Amish. It's nice and small. The roads are narrow. I love Indiana. I travel a lot. I love coming home to Indiana, Michigan. I love it. But Jesus says that the way to eternity is small and narrow. It's not wide. Look at what Jesus says in John 14, 6. He answered, he said, I am, I'm going to read this a little differently, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where's the Father right now? He's in heaven, right? So what's Jesus saying here? Do all roads lead to Rome? They don't. They don't all all lead to Rome. They don't all lead to heaven. Look in Romans. Paul says, it's written, there's no one righteous. Not even one. This bad news is stacking up, right? No one righteous, not even one person. Look at this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think there's something like 7 billion people on the earth right now, right? Not one of those people? What about like Gandhi or Mother Teresa or pick? There's none righteous, not even one. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Now we we see a little turn in the bad news story. Sin and death, friends, they're always linked. Anytime we, we see sin in the Bible, death follows in some way or another. It can be physical death. I was reading this week, you guys know this story of when David defeated the Philistines, not the one Philistine, Goliath, but he's fighting the the people of Philistia and they brought the Ark of the Covenant back. The Ark of the Covenant was this special piece of furniture, part of God's house of worship. And there was a godly man by the name of Uzzah. Can you say Uzzah? Uzzah and these other guys are carrying the ark. It had these poles in it, and they're walking along. And they slipped on something. And Uzzah reaches out his hand to brace it, 
to keep the ark from falling on the ground. And Uzzah was struck dead by the Lord. Why? Because he thought his hands were cleaner than the dirt. Uzzah thought his heart and his hands were cleaner than the dirt that the ark, and they weren't. All have sinned, and death comes to all people. That's, a, that's kind of a heavy story. Continuing with the bad news, look at this. The wages of sin is death. When I think about wages, all of us, most of us hopefully in this room, you've got gainful employment, right? At the end of the week, sometimes Fridays, what, what do you get on Fridays? Your paycheck, right? You get your wages. Paul's telling us here in Romans that the paycheck for the sin that exists in your life is death. That's what you've earned. That's what you deserve. That's heavy news. Friends, that's bad news. The gospel starts with bad news. Even though it's good news, it starts with bad news. And this is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid sometimes we forget about this bad news. We forget about the ugly side of who we are as people and our really desperate need for God. We forget that. We only want to focus on God being our buddy and his love and his friendship. Now, are any of those things not true about God? No, he loves you more than you'll ever know. He accepts you. He is your friend. The Bible says he sticks closer than a brother. But that's not all of who God is. So what do we learn in those verses? The way to heaven is narrow. It's small. Few will be that find it. How many is few? I don't know. God does. It's only through Jesus. What does that mean? Guys, that means that Allah is not the way. Buddha is not the way. Mormonism is not the way. Everybody hold on to your seats. Wesleyans are not the way. Baptists, Presbyterian, Catholics, it doesn't matter what your flavor is. Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus, is the only way to heaven. There are no other ways. There's no other way. There's no one righteous. No, not one. There's so many other verses that we could read that say the same thing. All have sinned. Death came to all. And the last bad part, the payment, the wages of sin is death. This is the bad news of the gospel. Now, let's just put some icing on this terrible cake. You ready? Look at what Jesus says in Luke 13, 3. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. That's the word of the Lord for you this morning. Someone, maybe many of you, some of you. In a room of this size, just because you're at church, I know that there are people in this room that probably don't know Jesus yet. You're kicking the tires, so to speak. That's some language that we like to use here at this church. Jesus says, not me, Unless you repent, you too will all perish. 
What does it mean to repent? That's another kind of churchy word. Do we, talk, do we use that word in our everyday language? No, we don't. It means that if I'm walking towards the west, I repent, I make a 180 degree turn, and I go in the opposite direction. That's what repenting means. Some of you can probably feel and sense, I am, I'm here this morning and I'm going in one direction. I need to go another direction. I don't even know what direction that is, but I need to go in another direction. I need a change in my life. And maybe you've tried some different things. For me, before I got saved, some of you guys know my testimony. I got to share it. Ryan uh, interviewed me a couple years ago on stage and I shared the ugly details of, of who I was before I came to Christ. I was a drug addict and I tried AA, I tried NA, I tried CA, I tried inpatient, outpatient, hippie communes. <laughs> Friends, I tried everything this world has to offer. I moved across the country. I had surgery because of my drug addiction. I had to have my nose fixed. Overdosed, divine miracle that I survived that, people praying for me. Maybe you're here and, and you've thought this. You know, I'm going to get right with God when I stop drinking. I'm going to get right with God when I stop looking at pornography. I'm going to get right with God when I stop using drugs. I'm going to get right with God when whatever. Just fill in the blank. When I do this, that. The good news, the bad news of the gospel, friends, the gospel is not try harder. But we live in a culture where that's, that's what we're told, right? May the best man win. Darwinism, the strong survive. It's baked into our psyche. Step on the next guy to get that promotion. I've got to pull myself up by the bootstraps, get it done, right? This is the fast-paced life that we live in. The gospel's not this way. I'm going to say something difficult to you now. There's nothing you can do. In and of yourself, you can never be accepted by God. It doesn't matter how many times you come to this church or any other church. It doesn't matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter that your grandpa was a preacher. It doesn't matter if you give money to this church, if you volunteer to the soup kitchen. It doesn't matter what you do. Guys, the gospel is not try harder. It's give up. I'm convinced that when a person comes to the end of themselves and they've had enough of what this life has to offer, they come to, kind of like Greg was saying in that video, they come to the realization of their sin. There's a breaking that takes place, a humbling. The six and eight months leading up to the time that I got saved were the worst of my life because God was just like, man, just humbling me and bringing me to a place where I could be broken before him. Because I'd been trying hard, man. I'd been trying to do it, trying to stay clean, try to stay sober. And I came to a place where I was ready to give up. I was ready to, to say, God, what you've said about me is right. I am not God. There's a God in heaven. One day I'm going to have to answer to him. That's what I had to say to him. Where does this leave us if we've got bad news? 
Let's see if I can get that. Can you guys advance that for me? Where does that leave us? <laughs> That's the bad news, right? Can everybody just, let's take a deep breath in, deep breath out. Maybe put your arms up here. <sighs> oh, man. Shake that off, right? The gospel means good news. I had to share the bad news first. I had to share the truth of what God says about us before I could share the gospel good news with you. There is good news. Look at this verse in Romans. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, this happened in time before any of us were even born, right? Jesus, do you think he knew what you would do and be in life? Of course he did, right? He knew the, the good things that you would do, the bad things that you would do, and he still died for you. Now look at what it says in, in Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice the two things. If you declare with your mouth, there's some kind of power when we speak. Do you know that? In the book of James, it says that our mouths are like the rudder of the back of a ship. It's this little, little thing that can steer these gigantic boats. If you'll tell God, you're Lord, you know what this word Lord means? If you take it back to the Hebrew, it's the word Adonai. This means master. If you'll say, Jesus, you are master of my life, not my co-pilot. You're the pilot. You're the one making the decisions. And believe in your heart, you will be saved. What's it mean to believe something in your heart? You know when you're totally convinced of something? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they, they're trying to get their point across and you're trying to get their... They believe it. I love those kind of conversations. I love that, that, that way that we can talk with one another and be so convinced about the things that we believe. God wants us to say that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart. Look at what we're supposed to believe, that God raised him from the dead. We all know the story. Jesus was crucified, right? Why? Remember we said that the wages of sin is? Jesus is the substitution, friends. If you've never heard this story, Jesus died in your place. And what we're believing is that he lived a perfect life. So why did he raise from the dead? Because he never sinned. You see, death couldn't keep him down in the grave. He couldn't stay dead because he didn't receive that penalty. That's why he was resurrected. If we die in our sins, friends, we don't come back. If you believe in your heart, look at this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is good news. The bad news is that I'm separated from God. I've got sin in my life. I, I'm not a friend of God at this time. I confess that. Call upon the name of God, Jesus. You could be saved. What have we learned so far? Check this out. Christ died for us. That's good news. Meaning, I don't die. <laughs> That's really good news. If I'll just confess, repent, what's it mean to confess? Admit it. That's right. 
Confession is just admitting that God's right. Repenting remembers turning. And believe. Believe that when I confess, when I repent, that God has forgiven me once and for all. Do you know that if you've been saved, if you've accepted Jesus, you don't need to accept him again. You can have that assurance in your life and know that you have this personal relationship with God. Maybe you don't have that this morning. Maybe you don't have that assurance. Maybe you've grown up in the church. Maybe you're just visiting. This life has a way of just beating us down where it's all bad news. I love the the creative arts part of our ministry here at Radiant Life. Patricia does such an amazing job. The images and the pictures that I get to see, one of the pictures she took of my family, I got framed and blown up. Like It's probably almost the size of one of those TVs, and it's in my studio because these pictures speak to us. They say things to us. And I came across this image this week, and I really felt like, just look at this for a moment. I really felt like this image was speaking to the bad news of the gospel. We're all underwater outside of Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and this is resonating. You're sensing God push and tug and prod and you're... You just got a hand out of the water. Some, some people will ask me, how are you doing this week? And I, I say it sometimes. I say fair to Midland. Have you heard that? Some people don't know that, that phrase. Or I'll say my nose is just out of the water, right? So if your nose is still out of the water, you can still breathe. But man, it's like I'm in deep water this week. It's tough. Sometimes you don't even have that. Sometimes you're just buried in it. Maybe you're here this morning and life has you in that very place where there's going to be just a little bit more time and that hand's going under. And you're just feeling like, I'll be done for. Friend, there's good news for you. If you'll confess, if you'll admit, if you'll tell God you're right about what you've said about people in general, and you're right about what you said about me, and you repent, you tell him, I'm sorry. God, I'm, with your help, I'm going this way. I want to go this way. I can't do it. I've tried it on my own. my own. I've tried harder. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to tell you, God, that you're right, and I'm sorry. And I believe, Jesus, you're the only way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through you. I believe that. I'm saying it with my mouth, and I'm believing it with my heart. Friend, you can receive. You can receive this good news. See, it's not good news until you you accept the bad news first. The glass has to be half empty before it can be filled to overflowing. So if you're willing to tell God, I'm sorry, you're right, and believe, you can be saved today. You may be sitting in the pew right now, and you know this is you. Maybe you've made that confession before. But something this morning has triggered your your heart. You realize, you know, when I slipped my hand up, or at VBS when I was a kid, when I came forward, I don't think I ever confessed. 
I don't think I ever repented. I don't think I've told God that I'm sorry and believed that I can be forgiven because you can. Maybe you're here, believer. You thought you were going to get away easy this morning, right? So far, you're like, oh man, this is like an evangelistic message. I can just chill, sit back. What about the gospel for us? I received Jesus on February 28, 1999. This February will be 20 years I've walked with Jesus. And in a lot of ways, my life has gotten better. In a lot of ways, it's gotten harder. Not bad, but harder. Jesus never promised, even as a believer, that life was going to be easy, did he? He actually said, in this life, you will have hardship. You'll have struggle. But don't forget, I'll be with you to the end of the age. That's what he said. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the same. Believer, maybe you're the same. Maybe you, you've had weeks or, 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 or maybe you're going through a season right now where this is, this is you as well. You're not buried under the weight of your sin and, and that's keeping you from God's kingdom. You know where you're going when you die, so to speak. But you're still feel, feeling buried. You feel that weight. You haven't taken a full whole deep breath in a long time. You know what I mean by that? You're feeling the weight. I love this verse, verse in Colossians. Paul says, this is for us believers. Check this out. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, the same way that you did when you, when you started, for me, 28th, continue to live your life in him. See, I think a lot of times as believers, we come to church every, every week, we do our thing, we go home, we have Sunday lunch, we go back to Monday, we do what we do, we start over, we do it again, we do it again. And we forget the fact that the gospel has the exact same power in our lives every single day. The same power that raised you from the dead life that you lived in sin is the same power you need every day. Believer, the gospel isn't try harder, it's give up. Just give in. Release. Cast that burden down. Come to the cross. So I see it this way. Remember, we, we talked about those two groups of people. You've got believers and you've got unbelievers, right? Right? There's two positions with the cross. Believers are always looking back to that event in time. That, that time that it took, took place in your life where you accepted Jesus. You're always looking back to the cross, always remembering, always keeping in the forefront of your mind that God sent his own son so that I could go to be with him forever and that I could live a fruitful and blessed life in the here and now. And the unbeliever, what are they doing? They're looking towards the cross. The cross is still an event right in front of them. It's the same cross. It's the same message. Don't try harder. Don't give up. Maybe you're feeling that pressure. I, I could say I feel that pressure sometimes in ministry. Man, if I'll just try harder. And we get into this sort of cycle where if I do this, this, and this, God's going to love me more. God's love isn't like that. God doesn't love you any more or any less than the day you were born. 
We have the same process, believer. We have to come to terms with sin and admit to God and tell him, you know what you said about that thing in my life, that thing I'm dealing with? You're right about that. That is sin. I've been playing with that and toying with that for too long. You are right, God. That, that thing, that's wrong. And believer, we have to tell him we're sorry. We have to repent. I'm going one direction, God. I need to go another direction with your help. I believe, Jesus, that the blood that you shed on the cross for me to spend eternity with you is the same blood that gives me power every single day to live a life that's blessed by you. It's the same power. And then, friend, we can receive that. We can receive that blessing. Do you believe that? Is it good news to you that if you'll confess, you'll repent, you'll believe that you'll receive that blessing from God either for the first time or the second time or the third time? You remember the disciples, they came to Jesus and they're like, hey, you know, this guy, he continues to do this thing to me and it's really bad. I really don't like it. How many times am I supposed to forgive this guy? What did Jesus say? A bunch of times. I'm not very good at math. The disciples were like, up to seven times? Thinking, man, that's pretty good. Guys, forgiveness is available to us anytime, anywhere. If we'll just confess, if we'll repent, believe in where that forgiveness comes from, from the cross, we can receive blessing. Look at this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if we admit we're wrong, God is faithful and he's just. He'll do right by us. He'll forgive us our sins and purify, cleanse, remove from us all unrighteousness. How much is all? What about that secret thing that you've been, been entertaining? What about that one? What about that pain that you've carried since that thing happened to you as a child? Will God take that? Will he cleanse that? Will he bear that for you? If you believe, he'll bear all. He'll take all. He'll remove all. But you have to confess. You have to repent. You have to believe in Jesus. Now, we don't always get to do this. I want to bring this picture up again. I'm going to ask some of my friends to, to come up. And these are people that have been elders and mentors in my life. Obviously, uh, I'm going to have my mom and dad, Carl and Julie Brown, there are going to be people up, up front here. Mickey Schultz, the Frischkorns, Dick and Karen Frischkorns. Some of you have met them as you've been greeted. All of these people have played a various, various roles, big and small, in my life. And I trust them as, as people that I can go to and I can tell them, I'm dealing with this. Would you pray for me? I can trust them. And I'm telling you that you can too. They're going to be up front here. But you come forward. The Presnells. 
We're going to have a time of response. We don't always get to do this. But if you're here this morning and God has stirred you up and you're ready to confess and tell God that you're sorry and you believe what I've told you this morning and you're ready to receive forgiveness of your sins and enter the kingdom of God, I want everyone to stand up right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm going to ask you to come forward. If today is the day for you to be saved, you're ready to make a change, you're heading one direction and you want to go in another direction, you know that what God has said about you is true. You need forgiveness. You need cleansing. Come forward. Thank you, Lord. Believer, if you're standing there and you're thinking, I know Jesus, I don't need to come forward. I don't need to be prayed for. We tend to puff our chests out as believers, don't we? I got it all together. No one can see my scars. No one can see the things I'm dealing with. I'm not going to tell anybody that thing. Stop carrying that. Stop carrying that. Come forward. If you're a believer and you need prayer, maybe even a prayer for healing, you know that God tells us that you can be healed from physical sickness, not just spiritual things. If you need prayer, you can come forward and be prayed for. My wife and I, Lisa, we're going to be up here as the, as the band plays this song. The song's, Oh, Come to the Altar. Leave behind your regrets and your mistakes. Would you do that as we sing? Just make your way forward. Receive Jesus. Tell him you're sorry. And receive the forgiveness that he has.